Welcome to Investment Magazine's new podcast series, The Future of Super. These podcasts are an in-depth series of conversations with key decision makers, leaders, and industry stakeholders at a time when the system is being challenged over its very purpose, as well as its efficiency and its ability to deliver. We explore critical topics for executives responsible for governance, for operations, and for outcomes. We address vital issues relevant to the future of Australia's retirement savings system. Please visit investmentmagazine.com.au or get in touch to join the conversation. And now, please enjoy this episode. AIA Australia is a leading life and wellbeing specialist with nearly 50 years experience and a commitment to help Australians live healthier, longer, better lives. Visit aia.com.au to find out more. Hello and welcome. Today on the Future of Super podcast series, we have Mercer Super CEO Tim Barber, along with KPMG's National Section Leader for Asset and Wealth Management, Linda Elkins. Thank you for joining us today. It's great to have you both. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you. Great to join you. In this podcast, we want to talk about the increasingly tricky issue of consumer branding for super funds. In a post Your Future, Your Super world where funds' fiduciary duty on how they spend their members' money is being examined more closely than ever before, how is it that funds go about marketing themselves to new members? How do they justify that spend? Or to look at it another way, how do they justify not spending it when organic growth can bring a host of benefits? So first, the umbrella question, the the overview, if you like. Why do you need to create a brand per se for a super fund, for a product which, let's face it, for most young Australians of working age is a pretty dry one and also a compulsory one? Tim, do you want to start us off on this one? Sure. I think um, you're right. For most Australians, saving for your retirement is can be a, a relatively dry topic, um, but particularly for young Australians because retirement is such a young, uh, long way off. Uh, whether they realise it or not, though, it's an important topic for them in the long run. Um, superannuation funds, as, as we know, would generally have a fairly low brand recall. Most Australians would probably struggle to name more than a few superannuation funds, albeit we've seen the industry funds in the sector um, spending a lot of uh, effort to build a brand and, and what their brand as a cohort stands for, which, which is typically along the lines of low fees. But I think one of the things that are important going forward is consumer preferences generally are changing. Um, exercising choice more generally um, is on is a trend on the uplift, and there's new regulation to support that. Things like the consumer data right, um, which is coming through various industries and seeking to promote competition and innovation. Um, I think consumers are also choosing brands more generally um, where they see alignment with a purpose. And I think for the superannuation sector. Areas like sustainable investing, for example, are becoming increasingly more important. I also think the rise of digital um, helps accelerate these sorts of changes in consumer behaviour. So uh, for those reasons, I think brand then does become important for superannuation funds because it helps consumers know what to expect from you and to have an understanding of what your brand promise is. 
Thanks, Tim. Linda, your views on this? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I obviously agree with all the points Tim has made with the introduction of um, stapling through the Your Super, Your Future legislation. It is going to be critically important that we, you know, really we're entering now the era of choice of fund and, and therefore having, having a brand, you know, in the market is going to be important. I would argue uh, that even, even though there's going to be this concept of stapling, your fund goes with you everywhere you go, we will see more and more consumer choice rather than just, you know, blindly being um, stapled to a fund. I think where brand is going to be critically important is without that, uh, there would be an over-reliance, I think, on the ranking tool that's going to be introduced through the ATO portal. So I think that funds that want to be able to tell all of their story uh, will need th- their brand uh, and values to, to come through. The other point as well as choice of fund is the increasing importance of retention into retirement So I think when people start to hit those uh, years where super does become more important and they do become more engaged, um, having a strong brand can help uh, members think about where they want to be as they move into that retirement phase as well. I understand. Now, you mentioned that the post your future, your super, the funds are now in this, this, these are your words, the, the choice world. So can you talk us through what funds need to actually do to, to strengthen or to maintain their positions within this world of choice that, that has opened up? I think in the choice world, what's going to be important, first of all, is where they sit on the ATO's uh, ranking um, system or in the in the ranking portal, I do think that's going to be um, extremely visible and no doubt um, covered well in the media and so on. So your your fees and performance uh, ranking is going to matter. Uh, in in addition to that, though, as we've talked about with brand, will be. Uh, what are the attributes that members are going to look for in a super fund? So fees and performance clearly is, is going to be what they look for, but what else? And how do you, through your brand, portray those uh, messages, whether it be your values, your ESG um, commitments, uh, for example, um, whether you're simple, simple and easy to deal with or perhaps, you know, where members will have a preference for funds that have uh, greater digital capabilities. In addition to those branding issues, though, I think funds are also going to need to, in this choice world, think about their onboarding uh, member experiences, like really understand what their customer journeys are, where members want to uh, make a choice of fund, uh, if funds have been subject more to receiving members through defaulting, they may really need to rethink what those customer experiences are like. Tim, can I pose the same question to you? In this choice world, what do you think are the important things that funds need to do? Well, I think I, I agree with with a number of the, the points that have been made there. Um, I think um, that the ranking tools will be important um, because they will be quite visible um, to consumers going forwards. More and more information will become available. I think um, in addition to you know, the currently recently released ATO rankings around performance and then also fees, um, soon we'll have uh, the performance test come out, which will be a, a net measure of those things 
um, in a bundle, which will become even more important because I think then consumers can actually start to understand what is their net member outcome um, from their superannuation fund. And I think that process of evolution and education of the consumers in the market will be very, very important to help them make uh, well-informed choices about all aspects of their superannuation um, as they go forward because investment performance is one component, fees is another component, but there's also insurance um, and the value that has as part of a superannuation product. Uh, there's also those values-based and brand components that we spoke about in terms of sustainable investing and particularly, I think, for the younger generation. If, I, if I'm going to take... If I'm a young person and I'm putting aside um, my savings for my retirement, it's parked off in the background for, for decades. Um, is, it, is it doing good? Um, am I making a difference with where those funds have been placed in, in the meantime? And I think that will become more and more important um, for consumers in the future. And then those other, more, those other service elements, again, will be important. You know, how does uh, a superannuation fund educate and advise its members along their superannuation journey um, is the digital service and capability that they experience so that they can see when, where superannuation fits within their broader wealth accumulation and saving for retirement profile. Uh, those aspects of member experience linked up with brand and a brand promise, um, I think will, will evolve and become more important over time. Staying with the, with the, with the choice world concept, what is the bigger problem, retaining members or gaining new ones? Well, the answer to that is it depends and every fund will be different based on where they are in their particular uh, life cycle. What we do know now is that a significant uh, number of funds are actually in cash in net outflow and so uh, for them uh, probably both uh, are imperative, but it, but I'd have to to argue that retaining members uh, could be more important than the new members uh, for many. Uh, the other factor in this debate, though, is the number of members that are going to enter the retirement phase, and that might either be a retention issue where funds lose their members at that time, or simply that they uh, naturally start their pension drawdowns, which can contribute uh, to the net outflow uh, position of funds. So, uh, you know, I think what's important is that each fund does that analysis um, to understand uh, what's most important for their member growth, but, of course, most importantly for them to deliver on their member outcomes. Tim, do you have thoughts on this? Short answer, Stuart, I think, I think they're both important. Um, you know, retaining members is, is clearly crucial. They are your members. They're your customers. You've got to look after them and uh, um, they'll vote with their feet if you don't and if they feel like they're not getting a, a good service and a good deal. And, um, you know, we're seeing with the superannuation market a lot of talk about the importance of scale and size and efficiencies that come with that. So, therefore, growth and new members uh, also has to be important. If I could just add a comment there, Stuart, I think of course. what will be important is that funds don't just rely on stapling to do their retention for them. I think that will be an ineffective strategy. Fair enough. Now, we did a little bit of, we'll pivot now, but we did a little bit of research and had a look at some of the parliamentary records. And we've discovered that some of the larger funds are spending tens of millions of dollars annually on marketing. Um, that seems like a lot of money. But in your opinion, are these sums justified? 
Tim, do you want to start us up on that one? Look, I think it's um, it's pretty hard to put a uh, to put a, a figure on the amount of um, money to be spent on marketing that is justified. Um, but I'd make a couple of high level observations um, on it. If you're if you're starting from a position of not being a household brand or being a very low recall brand, which the majority of superannuation funds, I'd argue, are, um, it's a pretty high spend to get yourself to that point. Um, where consumers are recognising your brand aided or unaided and therefore you're getting the benefits um, of that brand awareness in a market. Now, if you combine that with another factor, which is um, superannuation is, as we know, um, a product that consumers do not engage with as regularly as others. Um, So therefore that makes the benefits side of that equation also hard to realise. Um, so I'd say it's a challenging dynamic in terms of the cost-benefit analysis of brand spend for for, um, for superannuation funds. Um, but in terms of putting a figure for a particular fund, th- there's too many individual factors to, to point one out. But it's a tricky one, and and as I've said, it's a very challenging one. Fair enough, Linda. I think that, uh, again, listening to what uh, the, the commentary we're hearing from uh, regulators, and, and I must say the Your Super, Your Future Explanatory Memorandum does have some uh, good examples uh, there of how funds might think about their marketing spend. But I think what we're hearing from regulators is the first decision funds need to make is whether they have a viable future, um, and and by viable future we mean ability to meet their member outcomes uh, by assessing their fees, their performance and their sustainability. If the answer to that is no, uh, I think the regulator has um, expressed a view that funds should consider whether they would be better off merging uh, with, with, with another fund. Um, rather than perhaps thinking that they could uh, engage in a marketing campaign uh, to turn that around. I think that's that's the first question, threshold question. Uh, once a fund's decided that they um, are fit for the future, can uh, perform both on fees and investment returns and, uh, and is sustainable, then it actually makes sense that, that they have a considered uh, marketing strategy. And I think what the Your Super, Your Future legislation um, requires is not that people don't have marketing spend, is that the trustees give that spend proper consideration through the lens of the financial best interest duty and properly uh, record both their decision making and their um, supervision and monitoring of the decisions that they make in regard to that spend. So how are they currently documenting this kind of spend? And do you think they will be able to meet the fiduciary the the new the new rules under the your future your super test of their fiduciary duty? Do you think they'll be able to meet that? In general, I think that funds who step through those processes of uh, starting with their strategy, their member outcomes, and then linking that to a decision around their marketing spend. Uh, yes, absolutely. Again, there's clear examples in the explanatory memorandum of the Your Super, Your Future legislation that, that sets that that sets that out. Uh, the way funds uh, go about uh, measuring that spend is through uh, properly uh, documented uh, business cases 
uh, with you know reliable data that can be can be measured. And I do think we're going to see that that's where APRA will be focusing is on the quality of those assessments, documentation, the clarity of the decision making. Uh, trustees uh, are going through. The other thing APRA sets out in the explanatory memorandum is um, an understanding that things don't always go to plan. Just because you had a well-considered business case doesn't mean everything happens the way uh, you thought it would. Uh, So it is also clear there that there's an expectation around monitoring and being able to pivot uh, when you see things pan out differently than you thought rather than, you know, you're in breach now because things didn't happen the way you thought they would. At AIA, our dream is to champion Australia to be the healthiest and best protected nation in the world. To achieve this, we are continuously innovating to develop and deliver customer-led life, health and well-being propositions that help people live healthier, longer, better lives. To find out more, visit aia.com.au. Can we, I just want to be a little bit mischievous here, and only because this has been mentioned um, by an, a few times by a few politicians. Sports and stadia sponsorships. What's your view on super funds going, um, using their marketing dollars for this kind of stuff? Is that an example of a, of a good spend, do you think? Tim, do you want to start us on this one? Uh, hard, it is a bit of a mischievous question um, and a hard one for me to answer because uh, that's not a spend that that, that we would make um, because Mercer isn't, you know, a, a B2C or direct-to-consumer household brand. So for our particular business, no, that is not a spend um, I would make in the context of our superannuation business. Um, I can't really speak uh, speak for others. Um, but clearly some funds may see benefits um, in that from a marketing perspective. Again, you've got that, that cost-benefit equation when it comes to, uh, to brand spend for superannuation, which, which is a challenging one. Linda, thoughts? Yeah, look, I think Tim hit the hit the nail on the head, and again, therefore, the answer is it depends. Uh, again, if a fund were able to make uh, a, a fund that was uh, direct uh, to, to members and was uh, direct to members in um, the areas where that kind of recognition through, you know, sporting facilities was seen to be able to generate member growth. You know, for example, again, I, I wouldn't be so focused on uh, the fact that it's a sporting sponsorship rather than back to what is the quality of the decision-making, uh, what is the business case, is that business case being measured and supported with quality uh, data uh, by the trustees in making that decision to sponsor that sporting event? I agree with Tim, though it would seem to me in many cases that would not. Um, it would be difficult to form that business case, but I don't think that that may not be true for everybody. There may well be uh, funds that that do form those uh, business cases that they are um, confident uh, to make a spending decision around. Thank you. Um, let's pivot now again. And Tim, if we could talk about Mercer in particular. Now, you have at least two white label products, relationships with Virgin and Kogan. Now, firstly, why did you choose to use white label products specifically? And secondly, why those two brands? What advantages do they bring to Mercer? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really interesting um, um, concept that we have here at Mercer. And it's a marriage of two strengths 
um, really. So MRSA are experts in, amongst other things, superannuation. Um, we provide service to the, services to the industry in consulting administration as well as the MRSA Super Trust, um, of which I'm the CEO. But the barriers to entry to superannuation are high. The regulation um, is heavy, as we've spoken about. Um, there's a significant amount of infrastructure that it takes to build up a superannuation fund, and we've got all of that in our master trust. Um, but as I mentioned just earlier, um, Mercer is not a direct-to-consumer brand itself. Um, so what does what do our partners, Virgin Money and Kogan, um, bring to the table? They bring that household brand um, and well-known brand and distribution. Um, and I think this type of partnership is um, going to be increasingly important for our business going forward in that post-your-future-your-super world and the post-stapling, post-stapling um, environment. Um, this is an opportunity for us to bring new members to the fund from different channels. Um, Mercer as a fund has been very focused in the past on our employers, um, our employer clients, and we will continue to be so in, in the future. They're very, very important to our business and um, continuing to refine our offering there um, will be key for us, um, notwithstanding the non-default nature of regulation going forwards. But I think these brands like Virgin Money and Kogan, strong brands in their own right, both with different characteristics, um, I think will be a really important um, part of our strategy going forward. And we'll be investing more in these partnerships and potentially adding new partnerships um, to our business as well. Thank you. Linda, your recent KPMG report cites the increasing need for funds to engage with members individually and states funds have struggled to quantify the value they add for members. To grow, funds can learn from other commoditized sections, for example, banking and telco. Can you expand on this? What can they learn from other sectors? I think that uh, what they can learn is the sorts of disciplines that uh, we see in other uh, areas where there is a high uh, level of choice. And it really starts with understanding end-to-end through your business model, you know, the unit costs of, of doing business and through your marketing plans, things like the cost of acquisition uh, and, and retention. And, you know, when we, as you said earlier, we hear a lot about scale and the benefits of scale, but just to say that isn't enough. Uh, How do you really measure that? How do you really demonstrate the scale benefits are being generated and uh, resulting in improvements in fees and performance uh, for for members? So I think it really is having uh, the data capability and having the financial model capability to understand um, end-to-end the cost uh, of doing business and uh, the measurement of benefits. Tim, do you think there are sectors outside the super industry that have lessons that can be learned? Yeah, I think there's many. I think um, the superannuation sector um, has, is trailing along behind um, some others, not, not through fault of its own, but just the, the evolution of, of how things are, are moving along. And I mentioned before... Um, for example, the consumer data right, which will make its way to superannuation in time, but open banking hit the banking sector um, recently. Um, you know, those types of um, consumer empowering pieces of legislation will create um, opportunities for more choice, um, hopefully should create um, greater competition and innovation within sectors like superannuation and all of those things, all of those things are going to be good for consumers in the longer run. 
understand. Now we've we've spoken about this a little bit before, but I just wanted to return to it, and it's the 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 the, conce- the concept of stapling. What effect do you think, or what how big an effect do you think that is going to have on super funds and their their need to to market more, to market more strongly? Tim. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's going to have a very big, big impact. I mean, clearly where you've got a compulsory contribution into a product like superannuation and a default mechanism employer to employer, um, you know, the stapling change is a, is a big one. So it is going to change things there. Um, I think um, and the conventional wisdom and sort of talk seems to be that there's going to be more choice exercised as a result. I think there's potentially a risk that stapling creates um, or, or even enshrines the inertia in a way um, because if, if somebody's stapled to their initial fund and there's no longer as overt a prompt to change or set up a new fund at that moment in time, you know, we talked about a customer's journey, that point of signing up with a new employer for a new job has been a moment where you've at least been prompted um, around your superannuation and changing funds or establishing a new one. Now, I think we can all agree um, that, that, a, that an industry where um, consumers end up with multiple, sometimes, you know, silly amounts of funds and therefore multiple amounts of fees and insurance products that they don't need is bad. So I think, or, you know, net-net, I think it's a good change. Um, but stapling in and of itself... Um, I don't think will actually prom- promote greater movement and choice, um, which, going back to your question, Stuart, I think makes that brand and engagement um, with the market even more important um, to make sure that, that those value propositions are in front of consumers and they can make choice around superannuation and finding um, places um, for consumers to make that choice other than uh, the point in time at which they start a new job, I think, will be increasingly important. And, um, you know, you asked me before about why the two brands um, we've chosen in a more retail context, Virgin Money and, and Kogan. I think um, if you think about those two brands and the way that consumers engage with those brands, whether it be, you know, for example, Virgin Money through their banking um, and even just the... the um, the nature of that brand. I mean, we saw, you know, just in the last week, Richard Branson off flying into um, into the edges of space. Um, all of a sudden, superannuation can appear um, in a new context um, for consumers. So, I think there's going to be some really interesting evolution in this space as we go forward with the new uh, regulatory environment. Linda, can I get your thoughts on that one as well? Yeah, so I'll take the counter view to make it more interesting and say that stapling will drive more choice, Uh, although I do agree with what Tim said and he did, of course, say stapling on its own won't drive more choice, but stapling won't be on its own um, is is the point. So the other factors that will be at play at the same time is the mergers um, that we'll see. So in a way, it's not choice, but you're going to have members, you know, becoming members of uh, a, a new fund and the communications around that, you know, potentially driving more engagement at the same time. So the first thing I think stapling will do is accelerate the trend we already see, which is the trend um, towards mergers. And we're also then going to see uh, with the, the what we're calling the formation of the mega funds, 
likely to be uh, significant spend continuing in the marketing space, uh, which again will be a catalyst uh, to more choice. And thirdly, uh, we've already referred to it, the, the power of the um, what will be the MyGov ranking uh, in, in the MyGov portal. And, and I would say that, you know, competition is going to reside around um, new funds, people's choice of a fund for the first time, whenever anybody changes jobs and through the marketing campaigns, just trying to drive more awareness that would cause people to choose even when they're not in um, one of one of those those life events. So I think in, in that context and with the ease of the MyGov portal, and then when you're on the MyGov portal, the ease at which you can change funds, uh, I, I would argue that we're going to see um, more choice. I will also make the point about the MyGov portal is that because that portal was used um, for the job um, seeker payments, uh, there would be a very high, uh, you know, percentage of people who uh, are very familiar with with using with using that portal. So I, I I feel that's going to be a very powerful tool. Thank you. Now we're probably coming to the end of our our time limit here, but I'd like to just quickly go back to the ESG space. We, we again we mentioned this earlier, but how important is ESG marketing for super funds for young Australians at this point? Tim, you had some good points earlier, so let's, so let's start with you. Yeah, I think increasingly important, um, Stuart, increasingly important. And um, I think, you know, as, as, as the younger generation comes through, all of the research and, um, and experience with that generation is, is that they're, they're very purpose-led. Um, I think they um, brands that have a strong link to purpose um, resonate um, with, with consumers more and more. And therefore, I think particularly for something like superannuation where you're making a significant investment over a long period of time and it's parked away until you need it at that moment of truth in your retirement. Um, the knowledge that your funds are being invested wisely and sustainably and doing good in the meantime, I think, I think will, will become an increasingly important one um, as we move forward. Linda, your final thoughts on that one? Uh, absolutely agree with with Tim. I think it's um, it's very important, uh, and not only for the younger segments. I think it's going to be important across the board. And I will relate it back to um, it, this is not just a marketing question. This is a whole of business question, and we'll centre again around how trustees uh, make those decisions around their ESG uh, policies, not only for their investment portfolio, but for their businesses as a whole. Uh, will be critical, important to their, uh, you know, future uh, sustainability, certainly to their marketing uh, profile and ultimately, I'm, I'm sure, uh, for, for ongoing regulatory change. Thank you very much. Now, are there any final comments either of you would like to make? I think just um, to say that, you know, I think this is an exciting uh, new era. You know, we've called it the, the introduction of the choice era. It does um, signify a maturity uh, of the system. And, uh, and I think we will see uh, competition as a result of this and all of that with the aim of producing uh, even better member outcomes because let's face it, we have a system that is already producing you know, very good member outcomes. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a busy time, but a great time to be in this industry. Tim, final thoughts? 
I'd have to agree with Linda. It's it's definitely an exciting time. Um, these sort of changes um, are important ones and I think they're being made, you know, we, we in the industry quibble a lot about the nature of the changes and, and the details of tests and regulations and things, but these changes are being made um, with the consumer's interests at heart and uh, I think it's up to, to superannuation funds to rise to that challenge and, and start to deliver um, even better member outcomes um, as we move forward. Terrific. Well, thank you both very much indeed for joining us uh, for this conversation. It's been, um, it's been a good one. Thanks again. Thank you.